And if we go back to scripture and we see the precedence that has been set in scripture, he doesn't typically do great miracles in the midst of circumstances that are already thriving. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. He takes a group of people, a home, an individual who sold out and surrendered. And again, who will not deviate and just says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to trust God no matter what. That's who he blesses. That's who he shows favor on. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Oh, Father, we come before you. Uh, God, we, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, we need you. And so, Father, as we confess today that we can't do this alone, but you can as you work through us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just have your way in this place. May that song we just sang, Great Are You, Lord, not be just a song. But God, I pray it's the anthem of our hearts. That, oh God, you are great and you are worthy to be praised. So, Father, we pray that you would stir in our hearts even right now. I pray that you prepare my heart. I pray you prepare each heart here today that we would receive the implanted Word of God gladly. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in such a unique and powerful way in this, this time together today that we would know it's you. God, we can't manufacture a work of the Holy Spirit, nor do we want to. But God, when hearts are soft and tender, when my heart, when our hearts are repentant and just crying out to you, just like an earthly dad that picks up that child that is pleading for his attention and comfort and love. You do the same for us. So Father, may you give us eyes to see, to see clearly, to see truth for what it is. Give us spiritual spines of titanium, God, that will not bend, that will not buckle, that will not break but are willing to stay the course for the greatest mission ever called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray you give me a, a divine unction that can only come from you. I pray you fill me with your words. and I pray you'd hide me behind the shadows of the cross. May people only see Jesus through this message. And we pray this all in His name and all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 as we're journeying through the book of Acts here together. Acts chapter 3, and 
Uh, As you're turning there, the title of the message is An Unexpected Miracle. Uh, God works in mysterious ways, amen? We don't always understand it. We don't always see what He's doing. But what you often see through Scripture is God working behind the scenes, orchestrating something powerful in the midst of circumstances that seem bleak. Let me say that one more time. So when you read the Bible, you often see from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, God doing something behind the scenes that's preparing those who are being faithful and obedient to see Him do something amazing, to see Him do something that shows off His glory. How many of you today would like God to show up and show off in such a powerful way that that the only response for us would be, would be, God, you are amazing, you are holy, we stand in awe of your presence. That's my prayer. And if we go back to Scripture and we see the precedence that has been set in Scripture, he doesn't typically do great miracles in the midst of circumstances that are already thriving. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. He takes a group of people, a home, an individual who sold out and surrendered, and again, who will not deviate and just says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to trust God no matter what. That's who He blesses. That's who He shows favor on. And let me tell you something, we're living in crazy days. Crazy, insane days. It's not a cultural issue. It's not an economic issue. This is a spiritual war we're battling right now. And if you don't understand the severity of this, let me read you some statistics, and these are based on evangelical beliefs. Not people who identify with Satan. These are people who identify with Jesus. And the title of this is The Top Five Heresies Among American Evangelicals. It was just recently released on September 19, 2022. It's called The State of Theology. It's by Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research. Here they are, top five. Listen closely. Number one, Jesus isn't the only way to God. Now again, these are people who identify as Christians. Well, wrong. No, the Bible says that Jesus is the only way. (laughs) He's the only way, the truth, and the life. That's what the Bible says. Number two, Jesus was created by God. Remember, these are professing Christians. No. The Bible says that Jesus was not made, but was eternally begotten. Number three, Jesus is not God. No, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is God and His deity. Number four, the Holy Spirit is not a personal being. No, the Bible clearly teaches that the Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. You do not quench and grieve an it, you quench and grieve a person. 
And number five of the top five heresies among American evangelicals, humans aren't sinful by nature. No, the Bible teaches we're all sinful. What is the common theme in the top five heresies going on in evangelicalism today? We've taken the Bible, (laughs) we just don't think it's important. No, we stand on the Word of God, amen? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of my God will stand forever. There is nothing like our God as He speaks through the power of the Holy Spirit through His Word. And with that, let's look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, I'm actually going to back up for just a moment to give you some context from last time we were together as we roll into this. you got to remember, I don't know if you guys know this, but when the Bible was written, there weren't verses, there weren't chapters, there weren't breaks. It was free-flowing. So the reason we go back is because, well, A, if you weren't here, you missed it. B, it's all a conversation. It's all a narrative. It's all instruction. It, it works. It flows off each other. And so look in your Bible at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and then we'll roll into chapter 3. So Acts 2, 42 This is what the Word of God says as the Holy Spirit writes through the pen of Dr. Luke. And they devoted themselves, it means this, they were courageous, unrelenting, and pursuing the goal, total commitment, to the apostles' teaching, that's the Word of God, and the fellowship, that spiritual partnership we talked about. They're spurring one another on to the breaking of bread. Again, not a potluck, but this is the Lord's Supper in this verse. And the prayers, the fervent, desperate communication with God. Now look at 43. Here's the result. See, they're devoted to this, and here's the result. Devotion to this result and awe, fear and reverence came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. (laughs) This was not business as usual. Man, things are blowing up as they're showing up. Great and mighty things. 44, and all who believed were together, unity, and they had all things in common. And they, what, in 45, were selling their possessions. You see the commitment here and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Now look at 46 and 47. And day by day, interesting, and day by day, moment by moment, they're attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. This is a potluck in this instance. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. There was camaraderie, unity, oneness, selflessness, and they were praising God, 47, having favor with all people, and here it is. And the Lord added to their number, numerically, day by day, there it is again, those who are being saved, true salvation, true regeneration, true rescue. And all God's people said, amen. Did you notice they were devoted, though, total commitment? It all starts with total commitment. Well, the truth of God's Word, when you look at those verses as we launch into Acts 3, the truth of God's Word was the centrality of of their gathering. So as I hold up this Bible, this must be, this Bible 
must be the centrality of our gatherings. Everything we do must surround ourselves around this Bible. It's either absolute or it's obsolete. We either believe it or we don't. We either stand on it or we don't. Either committed to it or we're not. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. So what happens in Acts chapter 3? Well, as they feasted on the Word of God, they were drinking deeply from the Word, and I pray we are too. Here's Acts 3, 1 through 10. Here's what it says. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, very important, which was the ninth hour. We'll explain that here in a moment. And a man lame from birth was being carried. Okay, very important here. Get the context, characters, what's happening. Wrap your mind around this. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. Why? Well, to ask for alms, a donation is what he's asking for, of those entering the temple. Now look at verse 3. Seeing with his eyes, Peter and John, about to go into the temple, he asked to receive a donation, the alms. Number 4, verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him. Now this is very critical, we're explaining this, but don't miss this. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And he said, look at us. And he, expecting to receive something from them. Boy, did he ever. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow, that's quite a donation. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. Can you imagine? And he entered the temple with them. Well, that must have been some church service. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Let me say that one more time, verse 9. And all the people saw him. How many people saw him, church? All. Very important. And lastly, verse 10. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms, a donation. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. We'll pause there in this narrative. It's pretty wild, isn't it? When's the last time you've been in a gathering where something like this happened? How many would like to be in a gathering where something like this happened? <laughs> I say, sign me up, right? I don't know what God does, present tense, regarding these type of miracles. There's all kinds of theories by the, the theologians out there. But I know this. I will assure you this. There is nothing too difficult for my God. There's nothing. He works His best when things seem the bleakest. 
That's when he shows up, he shows off, he, he manifests himself. That, that's exactly what God incarnate is, right? Things are bleak. Got a bunch of humans running around, living for themselves. They're going to go to an eternal hell, and God goes, we need a miracle. Hey, Jesus, slide down the spiritual fire pole. I need to send you down to earth and rescue people who will give their lives to you. I love this narrative. It it resonates because I can identify with, well, you got three people, right? When you're looking at verses one and two, you got Peter and John, and then you got, what, a, a lame guy. I mean, think about that. Just picture that for a moment, context. Here in this narrative, who, what, when, where, why, you have what? Peter, John, and a lame guy from birth. Matter of fact, when we're going to read later in the book of Acts, we're going to see how old this guy was. And he's been lame from birth, and he's an older guy now. He's up in his middle age, and there he is, and they're carrying him daily. So daily, listen to this, daily somebody has to get their schedule interrupted and carry this guy. And here you see what's going on is they're carrying this guy to the church, the temple, if you will, that they're going to the hour of prayer. It's interesting that it says right here in your Bible in verse 1, it's the hour of prayer of the ninth hour. So remember the Jewish clock, if you will, started at 6 a.m. So you can add on to that deductively what time it is. Well, you look at that, it's 3 p.m. They had those different hours of prayer throughout the day. It's 3 p.m., they're going to the house to pray. And that's a good thing, amen, to go to the house to pray to Jesus and say, Jesus, we need your help. God, we need your inspiration. God, we need your wisdom. We need your direction. What do we do? We're, we're faced with a challenge. We're faced with a crisis, and we want to take action. We want to have a plan. But God, we need you to give us the wisdom. Well, here they are. They're just doing their thing, Peter and John. And it reminds me that, that prayer really does precede the revival, When is the last time, church, that you individually got in your prayer closet and you just got honest with God in your prayer and you said, God, I I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I need you to do this. I need you to work in my life. I need you to show me the path. When's the last time you got in your prayer closet and you just began to beg, if you will, God, in a desperate moment to say, don't teach me to preach, don't teach me to sing, don't teach me to give, but as the disciples that you cried out, oh Lord, teach me to pray. There's something about the power of prayer. The lame man, he's being carried, and there's prayer. Hence, number one of key number one. Write this down in your notes, key number one. Here it is. When seeking for God to move in power, desperate prayer is vital, as is being prepared for God to interrupt me. Let me say that again. Key number one, write that down. When seeking for God to move in power, desperate prayer is vital, as is being prepared for God to interrupt me. When you look at the Bible, we'll go back to the Bible, even though there's Many evangelicals that claim Christ, that don't believe in the Bible, that don't have a Bible, that don't bring their Bible to church, that don't study the Bible during the week. It's amazing that when you look at this, 
so many things as I look through the pages of Scripture resonate in my mind that, that when God moves in power on these pages, He begins to interrupt people's schedules, their priorities, their commitments. Why? Because it's so simple. For God to move in power, He needs a vessel that doesn't have any hindrances in that person's life. He's going to remove all the obstacles and the roadblocks. That thought occurred to me as I was preparing this past week, and I wrote this down. I said, think about this. Every person who is living right now is living on borrowed time. Ever thought about that? But every person who's living, if you're breathing today, you're living on borrowed time, God's borrowed time. You're living in His sovereign plan, and we have borrowed abilities from God, and we have borrowed financial resources from God. All of this is God's. Our lives, our talents, our abilities, the financial provision that you and I have, it's all God's. And it's what we do with those things while we're here that's going to make the difference. I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, wow, that was awesome. I'm glad I invested in myself. I want to get to the end going, God, thanks for providing for my needs, but man, I just want to give away my life in missionary sacrifice. But that's where true joy and fulfillment is. That's where contentment is, that you give your life away. Peter and John, they're going to the temple. Somebody, some people are carrying this guy. Their schedule's getting interrupted. and Well, it made me think of Mark chapter 2. Write that down, Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. Mark 2, 1 through 12, we've even talked about this recently in gatherings. But uh, Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12, listen to this illustration of a very similar story. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. That's Jesus. He's in the house. And when Jesus is in the house, people gather, amen? They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Well, that's a visual, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is doing his thing. People are like, man, we got to go see this guy. Hmm. Some men came, however. Let me back up. Not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So key. Did you hear that? So everything Jesus was doing was around the Word. Hear me clearly. So everything's around the world. If you're going to build a solid foundation in your home, your business, your ball team, and your church, everything has to revolve around the Word of God. It's the centrality of the Word of God. Everything, the Word of God. Three, some men came to him, plural. You learn it was four in another context, and actually right there you see it, right? That bringing him a man that was paralyzed and carried by four men since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and they lowered the mat the man was laying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, he saw their faith, and he looks at the paralyzed man and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Another unexpected miracle. Now, some of the teachers of the law, the religious people, the Pharisees, who had it all going on externally, but their, their hearts were rotten to the core, 
They were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. No, he isn't. Who can forgive sins but God alone? He is God. Well, immediately, Jesus knew in His Spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and He said to them, why are you thinking these things? I mean, think about that. That must have been weird. They're thinking these corrupt thoughts, and Jesus goes, why are you thinking these things? Hmm. So Jesus, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take up your mat and walk, which is easier? It's obvious. For someone to say, get up and walk if you're truly paralyzed is very, very difficult. But what does he say? I love this. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Wow. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Oh, wouldn't that be a great place to be in your life? That God is working in such power and such might, and He's doing great and mighty things. As we gather together, we're just gathered around the Word, the centrality of the Word, and we're saying, God, I want you to work in power. I want you to move in power. We believe you can do this. And we leave going, we've never seen anything like this. In order to get there, though, four men's schedules got interrupted might have been a good ball game on. Maybe they had a honey-do list to do that day. Who knows what was going on? But they said, you know what we're going to do? This is what they said. We're going to get this guy to Jesus. We're going to do whatever we got to do to get this guy to Jesus. It's not even their house, and they're tearing apart the roof. I mean, these are serious risks these people are taking. But they got their eyes on the mission. They got their eyes on the prize. They believe that greater is He that's in them than He that's in the world. They know this, that since our God is for us, who can be against us? And then Jesus shows up and shows off. He says, look, it's going to be a lot easier for me to tell you your sins are forgiven, which I'm going to do, by the way, but get up and walk. And the miracle took place. In this instance, it took effort. The men had to get out of their comfort zone. The men had to actually bring him to Jesus. There was planning involved. Hey, they could have got to the front door going, wait a minute, it's too crowded. Let's just leave him here almost half time of the game. I need to get back and catch the second half. Now, what did they do? They got creative, that they unified together. Now, well, we got an obstacle here, but you know what? Let's not give up. I mean, let's crawl up on the roof. Oh, wait a minute, there's no hole in the roof. It's not even our house. I got an idea. Let's start tearing apart the roof. You see the determination? Oh, I pray that sets me and you, that we'll do everything we can in our power to get people to Jesus. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch.
what a parallel that is to Acts chapter 3, isn't it? Just a similar situation where there's a beggar and Jesus, through the power of Peter and John, meets his needs and everyone in attendance sees how great our God is. But what happens next in verses 3 through 5? Well, seeing Peter and John, this is Acts chapter 3, 3 through 5, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, a donation. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So, so pause here for a moment. This is very, very interesting. So the lame man's asking for a donation. Peter and John are looking directly at him. Now, not a trick question, but when you see someone on the side of the road, perhaps, who's asking for something, a monetary donation, what do we typically do? A lot of times we don't look at, we look away. It's kind of a reflex. A lot of times we don't look at, we actually look away. Here in this instance, Peter and John are saying, Missalak, they're like, look at us. Look at us. Look at us and what we're going to teach you through the power of the Holy Spirit. The layman fixes his attention on them. The Bible says right here, he's expecting to receive something, and boy, does he get something. Amen? That's why key number two in your notes is simply this. Write this down. When seeking for God to move in power, as you first look to Him, then look to godly people, and expect God to move. Write that down. Key number two, when seeking for God, when seeking for God to move in power, as you first look to Him, then look to godly people and expect God to move. So this is not, again, a trick thought, but here's Peter and John. They're godly men, not perfect. They're flawed, but they're godly men, and He's looking to them. We always want to analyze who we're looking at. Make sure who you're looking at, who you're hanging out with, as we often say, are, are godly people. I wrote down Isaiah chapter 45, 22. This is an amazing verse that captivated Charles Spurgeon's life. Isaiah 45, 22, it simply just captivated Spurgeon's life. Turn to me and be saved, God says, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. What a powerful verse from Scripture. Turn to me, repent, look to me and be saved, be rescued, all the ends of the earth, for I am the Lord and there is no other. Do you see the looking, the gaze, the trajectory, if you will, of, of where the arrows are being aimed? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, another principle in this looking at godly people. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of what church? Christ. Paul's not saying, man, I'm awesome, I'm great, look at me. He's actually saying, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the least of the apostles. Look at me as I am actually modeling Christ. All of us today, if you're a true believer in the room here today, that should be your mantra. You should be following Christ so tenaciously 
that your goal is to be presented mature in Christ, that you would help present others mature in Christ. How do they do that? Well, God works through you. People imitate you as they imitate Christ. If we're not imitating Christ, remember this, they can still imitate us. And that's where it goes back to, we got to be careful who we're hanging out with. Are we hanging out with godly people? Are we hanging out with people that see the truth for what it is? Are they listening to the noise? Are they listening to secondhand conversations and getting led astray? Or are they following like they should in the ways of the Lord? These are so paramount in the Christian's life because the enemy has come to deceive. He's come to seduce, to lure away, to bait. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why we stay anchored to truth, which is the Word of God. And then lastly, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, And therefore, He exalts Himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is what? A God of justice. But blessed are those who wait for Him. Literally there in the Hebrew, the waiting for Him is this. They're looking to Him. They're just looking. They're waiting. Like, God, where are you? I know you can do this. I know you can take the mess and create the message. Where are you, God? I'm waiting for you. That's who God looks on and blesses through that faith. We'll look at verses 6 and 8 as we go down the back side of this mountain in Acts chapter 3. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all God's people said, Amen. It's interesting. You know, he's asking to receive a monetary donation. I think sometimes... We're expecting God to do something that is way too small in certain instances. I think it's just too easy to regulate ourselves to what the flesh can do, to what we can accomplish in our own strength. I think there's times where God says, no, I want you to raise the bar. I want you to really faith me in this. And maybe that's you here today in your personal life, that that God has you in a situation in your life, and He's speaking to you right now in your life where you are in your family, and He's saying, I I want you to stretch the bar because God's saying, I want to stretch you. I want you to stretch the bar because God's saying, I want to stretch you. I want to grow you. I want to mature you in the faith. Peter speaks in this instance, and he says, I don't have any money, but I've got something infinitely better. It's interesting because Peter may have been in physical poverty if you studied the disciples of that day. They didn't have much really to give. But listen to what he says in verse 6 in your Bible in front of you. What I do have, 
I love this. What I do have, I give to you. I found this interesting that when you're talking about spiritual things, it's hard to give away something that you yourself don't truly possess. See, Peter doesn't have a big bank account physically, but his spiritual bank account is out of this world. And he's like, I don't have this, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And then, well, you think about what happens next. But I want you to picture this, because later in Acts 4, we're going to see this. But this man who's lame from birth is 40 years old. That's a long time to be lame. That's a long time to be physically lame. And then I got to thinking, what about spiritual lameness? And there's so many people all across this community and this country and this world who are spiritually lame, maybe 40 years, 50 years, 60, 70, 80 years old, who are spiritually lame, who, who are caught in the cords of sin. And we just saw it from the front end of this message, what's going on all over the evangelical landscape what professing believers have once believed and now are deviating from. And, oh, it began to resonate in my mind because Peter looks at him and he, he takes him by the hand. There, there, there's an intimacy here. Now imagine this. So if you're Peter, put yourself in Peter's shoes for just a moment. If you're Peter and you go over to the lame man and you actually begin to pick him up, here's a question. What if he doesn't stand up and start running around? What's that going to do to Peter's testimony? Peter goes, here, come on, come on, champ, get up here, get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which, by the way, is not an endearing term. When you say Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that's not like this is Jesus Christ of Jerusalem. This is like lowly Nazareth. That was a derogatory term often that was said. He goes, in the name of the most humble servant that's ever walked the face of this earth, I'm going to pull you by the hand because I believe in such faith, with such boldness, there's going to be such a miracle in your life today that I'm going to risk my neck. I'm going to put on the line for you. I'm going to get down. I'm going to pick you up and say, get up and walk. Do you see the faith here, church, that's not only exhibited by the man, but by Peter? And I often wonder if God is holding back his blessing, if God is holding back his miracles, not because the other side is not doing something, but I wonder if he's waiting on us to reach down by faith and say, God, I believe you can do the impossible. I often wonder all over our country today how many believers, professing believers, truly pray for God to do things that only He can do. Because I've learned this in my own life. If I'm doing things that only I can do, at some point the things that I can do which may be accomplished temporarily, will eventually collapse. Now, when God does a work, 
He sustains the work. Amen? See, Peter takes a risk. And that's why our key number three is this. When seeking for God to move in power, when He moves, immediately give Him praise. Key number three, write it down. When seeking for God to move in power, when He moves, not if, but when, immediately give Him praise. Did you notice in this verse, it says this, that Peter takes the lame man by the right hand, he raises him up, and immediately, without delay, his feet and ankles were made strong. Now, this is interesting. When you read this in the Greek language, you see that Dr. Luke is using a medical term to talk about the ankles and the feet being made strong. It's a medical term. And he's shown how they're, they're fused together, the ankle and the feet, that he has now wholeness. His ankles and feet have been lame for 40 years from birth, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a work of God that only comes through God, he is now made whole. And what happens next? I love this. It says here so beautifully in this glorious verse, and leaping, verse 8, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. There was no delay. He's like, I've been made whole. I've been healed. Man, I'm going into the church house, and I'm going to show off God and His glory of what He did in my life. It began to make me think, how many times that does God do something powerful in my own life, and I delay with my praise? Remember back in Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19? Remember this account? Because the praise should be a reflex, right? If we're in union with Christ, if there's that true connection to Christ vertically, when God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, does something amazing in our lives, it should just be a reflex that we give God praise. But Luke 17, 11 through 19, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. That was an interesting stretch of highway for sure. And as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, as they obeyed, they were cleansed. Then one of them, one, how many were there? Ten? Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a whisper, right? No, this guy was Baptocostal, wasn't he? Praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face. Oh, that's the key right there. That's the key. Just falling on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Now, he was a Samaritan. You didn't associate with a Jew. This was a no-no. Then Jesus answered him, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, foreigner, Samaritan Jew? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Oh, we need to be praising God even in the difficult days. Amen? We're to give thanks continually. We're to rejoice always. It's hard. 
I struggle with it. We all struggle with it. But we should be praising and giving God thanks, especially when he's moving in power, when he moves. Immediately, drop what you're doing. Maybe he does something this week. Maybe it's as simple as you're pulling into Kroger, you know, and you're looking for a parking space that's, you know, not, not out on the back 40. And you're praying to the Lord, Lord, I want a parking space up front. And maybe he might come through even something as simple as that. Man, when he opens up the, the Red Sea and someone backs out and you pull right in there, give him praise. I mean, don't neglect the little things. Give God praise in all things as he provides for you. Give us this day our daily bread. Trust him in those small things and give him the praise in all things. Well, what happens lastly? Well, look at 9 and 10 in your Bible, and here it is. So the lame man, he's jumping for joy. He's praising God. And then what happens in verse 9? And all the people, all the people, this is cool, they saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him. He's 40 years old. He's been lame from birth. And so if you see someone who's 40 years old, they're lame from birth, and all of a sudden they're running around shouting about how great God is, that's going to get your attention. He sat at the gate, beautiful, of that temple, and asking for donations, alms, and they were filled. Who was filled? They, the watchers, the observers. This is why this is so important. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. And what happened to him? Do you see the domino effect here? If we are disobedient, God's not going to show off his power. And if God doesn't show off his power, what about all the people that need to see how great God is? See, that's the important part of obedience, that we follow in obedience. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult because I don't know if you know this or not, but when you're surrendered to Christ, obedience is not difficult. The challenge is for the people around you who are not surrendered the obedience is going to be really difficult. I mean, when you're surrendered, it's a no-brainer. It's like, well, I'm surrendered. I'm going to be obedient to God. But the people around you, that's where the trouble comes in. That's where the struggle comes in. No, be obedient and watch God work. Watch Him show off His power. Watch Him display Himself in a mighty way that as your obedience to Him is on display, that you've given your life to Him, that you're surrendered to Him, that you're willing to walk the narrow path, that when even friends and family come against you and they start saying this or saying that because they're trying to pull you away off the narrow way, and you're going, no, I'm going to stay dialed in. I'm dialed into the mission. I will not bend. I won't buckle. I won't break. When you do that, God's going to use your obedience to do something. It may be an amazing miracle. It may be just something simple in life. But as he works in your life, here's what's going to happen. People are watching. And they're looking at you. They're looking at me. And they're going to see, are they obeying the Lord or are they perhaps not obeying the Lord? When God sees the one who obeys him through humility, the Bible says this, on this one God says, I will look. And I don't know about you, but if there's one person I want looking at me, it's God. And he'll begin to look on you with favor and blessing, and he can move in power through that experience of simply being obedient. Key number four, last one, here it is. Write it down, key four. When seeking for God to move in power, people are watching 
and prayerfully they will be filled with awe and wonder when they see God move. Key number four, when seeking for God to move in power, people are watching, and prayerfully they will be filled with awe and wonder when they see God move. You've got to remember, this was a public miracle. This was not a private miracle. This is a public miracle. And what if the trial that you're enduring today, church, whatever that might be, what if you began and I began to realize that the trial you're in and the trial I'm in has a greater purpose? I mean, that's where God works, getting back to this unexpected miracle. When you look in the Old Testament, when you look in the New Testament, and you see God doing miracles, He doesn't do miracles where things are already thriving, otherwise it wouldn't be a miracle. Noah building a big boat in his front lawn with a neighborhood association, sending him letter after letter for all those years. You can't be building this in your front lawn. He's getting mocked. He's getting literally ridiculed. But what's the miracle? As he and his family are the only ones willing to stand for the truth. You see, over and over through Scripture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel in the lion's den, just over and over, there's example after example. You see the disciples, you see John the Baptist, you see Stephen, you see Paul, Peter, over and over, there's miracles being performed, not because the circumstances were glorious, it actually was because the circumstances were bleak. And that's where God goes, you know what? I'm going to show up and show off in such a way, I'm going to confound the foolishness of the world, I'm going to confound the wise. Here's why, because here's the deal, I'm going to show people that they need me. I'm going to show people they're desperate for me. Because if we can accomplish what we need in our own strength, what's the need for God? It reminded me of Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Acts 16, 25, and there's Paul and Silas. Remember this account? Paul and Silas, they're in prison. And it says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Where were Paul and Silas? Do we know? They're in prison. And what are they doing while they're in prison? They're praying and they're singing hymns to God. Do you see the message there for you and I, whatever your struggle is today, whatever the challenges in your life today, that maybe you're in a prison, so to speak, could be a self-imposed prison, or maybe you're faithful and obedient to God, and you're just dealing with the fallout from being faithful and obedient, and you're in a prison today, boy, as we pray, and we pray hard, we pound on the door of heaven, we believe our God is able, we believe He can do great things, we sing to Him, we praise Him in our storms, just on a our mountaintop experiences, but we praise Him in our storms, people are listening to us how we react during the trials of life. If our reaction is, the sky's falling, it's all doom and gloom, typically God's not going to do a miracle in that situation. But where we step out in faith, where we take action, where we put together a plan, and we combine all that together with a great hope and faith in God, that's where He can do great and mighty things. I wonder today if you believe that God can do miracles. 
But do you believe that today? I remember a story years ago of a man who had cancer, and cancer is a horrible disease, just horrible. And I don't remember all the particular details, but I remember the, the gist. And it went something like this. The man received a diagnosis that he had terminal cancer and that there was no hope. And so he asked his church to pray. And so his church began to pray. And again, I'm not talking about, you know, just kind of fuzzy prayers. I'm talking about, you know, pleading with the Lord, spending deep hours in prayer interceding for this man they prayed and they prayed and they prayed terminal cancer and they begin to pray before I share the end of the story with you I think there's times if we're honest that when we pray and I've been guilty of this I'm the one that's most surprised when God answers my prayer. (laughs) But these people had great faith. They prayed that God's will would be done. So if he chose to heal the man, praise the Lord on this side, right? But they knew this man would ultimately be healed on the other side. Amen. Well, they prayed and they prayed. He went to the hospital to get his scan And as he went and received the scan, he came back into the waiting room. And as he sat there for quite a while, he heard someone running down the hall. And as he looked up, it was his doctor. And his doctor comes running down this long hallway. He could see him running a long distance. And as the doctor is running, he's got scans in his hands. That's more than a rhyme, amen? He's got scans in his hands. And he simply comes up to the man, and with tears in his eyes, he simply says this, tell me about your Jesus. Does that mean every time we pray for someone to have cancer healed on this side, it's going to happen? Of course not. We don't know God's plan. But what if God's waiting to do some miracles in this place? And we just need to crawl on that branch of faith so that people all across this community will will come running with their scans in hand going, tell me about this Jesus. Oh, what God may do, as I've said before from Tozer, God is looking for people from whom He can do the impossible. What a pity we plan only the things we can accomplish on our own. Father, we come before you today, and God, we know that everything is an outflow of union to you. And oh God, I pray in this place today, but might there be some mighty prayer warriors that would begin to stand on the wall. Might there be some valiant men and women and even students and children that 
will simply say, God, I know you're working. It may not seem like it at times, but I know you're working. And God, we just believe by faith through action that you're going to do something amazing. Because God, that's what you've done all through Scripture. All through Scripture, we see miracle after miracle of faith in action where you accomplish great things. God, what if your plan is unfolding exactly how you want it to right now? What if your plan is unfolding exactly how you want it to? Lord, I pray that we would see our lives, our families, our church, our businesses, our ball teams through your lens. Knowing that these days are dark and we just read these stats which are crushing to me. But all across this country we've got professing believers believing these heresies. Oh God, the enemy loves to lure away from truth. May we stay anchored. May we be faithful. May we be obedient. Even if they send us to the gallows. Even if they burn us at the stake. May we be found faithful, God. May you move in power in this moment, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray you've touched someone's heart today. I pray for that heart that's never surrendered to you. May that heart surrender to you today. Holy Spirit, might you move. Move all over this room. Cause us to take action. Cause us to walk out by faith. Cause us to have great wisdom and discernment that you guide us to plan well. And God, to you be the praise and to you be the glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during this day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.